Welcome back to the My Mess is My Message podcast. My name's Allie, and in its spirit of it being Celiac Disease Awareness Month and also just coming back from my trip in Italy where I ate lots of gluten-free pizza and pasta, I thought it was the perfect time to share my episode with Phil, also known as Phil Hates Gluten. During the episode, we chat all about how Phil discovered he had a gluten allergy and how switching to a gluten-free lifestyle changed his life. We talk about how we both educated ourselves on what we can and cannot eat when we found out we were both gluten-free. We talk about the challenges that gluten-free people face. I talk in depth about my own experience with celiac disease and how it's played a major role in my life for the past 16 years. We also talk more in depth about Phil's content creation and where he has found the most success. We definitely talk in depth about our favorite substitutes for different gluten-free foods that we can't eat or just different brands or recommendations that we have for gluten-free products. I think it's a great episode for those who have a gluten allergy, but also those who have friends or family members that also are gluten-free and you just want to better understand the struggles that they might have. Um, It's a really great episode and I really had a lot of fun talking with Phil, so I highly recommend listening. So let's get into it. Hey, Phil, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Well, thanks for being on. I'm very, very excited for this conversation. Um, So I'd love if you just want to start by introducing yourself to the audience, who you are, just a little bit more about yourself. Yeah. Um, hey, audience. My name is Phil. I uh, You might know me as Phil Hates Gluten. You might not. Uh, but that's my kind of online alias. I have a social media account called Phil Hates Gluten where I just kind of make gluten-free jokes and restaurant reviews and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And before I ask you more about like your content creation aspect of it all, how did you like find out you were gluten-free or like what made you decide to go gluten-free? Yeah. Um, so in 2018, I was diagnosed with something called eosinophilic esophagitis. It is like a chronic immune condition disease uh, that is essentially your esophagus being like extremely inflamed, like white blood cells are getting into your esophagus. So there's causing inflammation um, and like strictures and furrows in your esophagus. Instead of like being smooth, it's like all gross looking. And so I noticed something was wrong when I was like starting to have difficulty swallowing. Um, I was getting a lot of heartburn. I was getting a sort of heart palpitation feeling, uh, hoarseness, um, you know, all sorts of weird GI symptoms. And kind of the tipping point was when I, uh, I like had a food impaction. I had a couple of them. So food literally got like lodged in my esophagus, not like choking because it's like different. I could still breathe, but it was like almost like in the middle of my chest. Um, and it eventually went down, but, um, I kind of was just feeling really bad for a while. So I went to the ER and they actually did a endoscopy on me and found out that I had EOE. Uh, and throughout that, I, I I mean, they called it what it is, eosinophilic esophagitis, which I was like, what is that? And they told me that like 0.02% of people have it or something like crazy. And I was like, oh, figures, I have that. But, um, and they also explained like, oh, it's not like, you know, uh, other conditions, like like you're going to have to find, like a lot of the times it's food-based, sometimes it's like environmental-based, like the triggers, but you need to go through trial and error to figure out which one, is your trigger or triggers like food or environment, whatever it is. Um, it's mostly food, but it's like a, you have to go through like an elimination trial. So you have to eliminate foods for six, seven, eight weeks at a time. And then 
get another endoscopy and see where your numbers are at from the, uh, you know, biopsies that they take. Um, if your numbers are high, you got to eliminate more foods or, you know, add back foods. It really takes a, it's, a, it's a bit of a process and it takes people months and months. Um, when I cut out gluten and dairy, which are, I think dairy is the main one. It's like 50% of people who have EOE are, um, allergic to dairy in that way. I think it's 50. I don't quote me on that, but, um, it's around there. And gluten, to my knowledge, is the second most. So my doctor at the time told me that I cut up both because I was like, I, I was just so determined to figure out what was wrong and, and I would do anything. Um, I cut out both and I started to notice that a lot of my symptoms were starting to go away. And actually one symptom that I really, I didn't even mention that really was like scary was I was getting anxiety attacks, um, which I never really experienced before. Uh, or never did experience before. I don't even know if it was an anxiety attack or panic attack, um, but just out of body kind of feelings where you just want to run, you know, that kind of feeling. I would get them in, at work when I was driving. Um, and that went away when I started eating gluten and dairy free too. So I have just um, kind of stuck with it because it helped in terms of my numbers, helped in terms of my, um, my symptoms, obviously. And ever since I've probably 2019, I've been fully gluten-free, fully dairy-free, um, and just been chugging along. Yeah. No, I feel like it sounds like it was just like a bit of an experiment in the beginning, just like figuring out like what the issue was. I feel like when I first, I have celiac disease, so mine is just like, I'm allergic to gluten. And for the rest of my life, unfortunately, I cannot eat gluten, but it was like in the beginning, I, I found out when I was in like second grade or like around that time. So it was really early on, but I was getting headaches like every single day. And my parents like couldn't figure out what it was. And for me, it was just, it's genetic as well. So like my aunt had had like recently been diagnosed that I had endoscopy as well, and they tested me, and I found out that I was gluten-free. But it's pretty life-changing, unfortunately. I mean, like, especially I feel like at a younger age, like, when there wasn't as many, like, options to be gluten-free. But, like, I know even in 2019, like, how did that impact your life when you, like, had to start eating gluten-free and dairy-free? I mean, I had to learn what gluten was. <laughs> like, honestly, I, like, still remember the scene from Superbad where, like, Seth Rogen's, like, talking about being gluten-free. And they're like, what's gluten? He was like, I don't know. It's just bad or something like that. Like, that was my only introduction to gluten at that point in my life. I didn't know anything. Um, and so it was kind of just, like, a whole learning experience of what, uh, you know, I had to cut out. And, and it is that, you know, when you, when you went gluten-free probably in second grade, I, I, I don't know how they managed it, but a lot of times people would just say like, okay, you just don't eat gluten anymore. Like the doctor might say that or whatever. And like, they might even give you a few options, but that doesn't cover everything. You really just need to learn like on your own through trial and error of like, what can I eat? And then also what doesn't taste like shit? Uh, so that it was like a bit of a process. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, it was really tough. Uh, and, you know, because it was such a weird thing, eosinophilic esophagitis, um, it was really hard. It still is really hard to explain in like 10 seconds, um, or 15 seconds to someone. Um, it always sounds maybe even worse than it actually is. But, uh, I think people did think it was like, it, it's all in your head type of thing. Um, uh, you know, and, and, and just didn't understand what was going on with me. So, or like didn't realize that it was lifelong. So that was a real challenge to kind of, explain to people but I always try to put myself in their shoes and be like well you know what three months ago I didn't know what any of this stuff was either so I can't be mad at them for not knowing and, and not understanding and they're not going through it every day like they why would they know so I just try to give people the benefit of the doubt there
Yeah, no, I mean, explaining it is hard because it's like, do you want the simple version or do you want me to actually explain why I can't eat gluten? Like, do you just want to know that like I have these like short-term symptoms or like how the effects it actually has on my body and like why I really can't eat it? I know, and people, I'm like, do you want the scientific version or just like the easy, quick version? Yeah, but, we could have a minute-long conversation or like a six-hour conversation. It's your choice. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I remember when I first found out, like, because also gluten was, like, people didn't talk about gluten as much as people do now. Like, I kind of appreciate how gluten-free has become trendy because there's so many more options now because, like, people want to eat gluten-free. So, but back then, there, like, wasn't. And I remember, like, being tested, finding out I was gluten-free. And then me and my mom went to some random person's house who told us all what gluten was. Like, she must have been, like, a nutritionist or something, like, at home. And I just remember, like, learning, like, what everything was. And I think, like, gluten is just, like, I mean, I'm so familiar with, like, what I can eat now. But it's, like, wheat, barley, I think, what is it, rye and oats are like the main ones, but then oats are so confusing because some oats are gluten-free and then some aren't. So I feel like that's always like tough to explain to people too. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it is. And it's, it, it, I feel so bad when someone like has, they, like they have a gluten-free snack that they found or something like it might be with oats and it's not like certified gluten-free oats. And you're like, oh man, you're so close. And I appreciate it so much, but I, I'm still not going to eat this. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> and like so, the Nature Valley bars. I'm like, I want it so bad. And it's like, it's so close to being gluten-free, but it's not. <laughs> so I can't eat it. Um, yeah. And then, so what have been, okay. So what, now that you've been gluten-free for quite a while, why did you start creating content? Um, so I, I, I started in uh, September 2019, I think, was my first post. So it took a bit for me to like figure out, obviously, like learn how to live gluten and dairy free. Um, and like obviously, it took a few months for me to get get used to that and and start feeling better. But by the end of the year, I I don't know. I I I, I was getting into like drinking craft beers. I was like 24 when I was diagnosed with EOE. So I was like starting to not just drink like Natty Lights all the time. And I was like, okay, I'll drink, you know, a craft beer and what's the IPAs and stuff. Um, and so initially, I think I just wanted to like document trying to find good gluten free beers um, on my Instagram page. Um, I, I always made videos and stuff growing up with my brother, just like trying to be goofy. We had like YouTube channels, we had all that stuff. Like, I, I used to try to be creative, like all the way growing up. And then I, you know, got a sales job out of college, I couldn't get any marketing jobs or anything. So I kind of like lost that creativity for a little bit. And I was looking for ways to capture it again. And I thought I think this was a good opportunity to, to one, like go through this experience of like trying to find good, not bad gluten free beers, like together with like, some sort of a community or whatever, like try to build that online, because I didn't know anyone who was gluten free before I did that. Um, and and, and two, just kind of try to be goofy again in front of a camera. Um, and so I started just doing like the gluten-free beer reviews for a bit. And it was really just my friends and family following me for a while. And uh, I eventually built up a community, but it was a lot of hard work to like do that. It wasn't just like people randomly found my videos. I definitely was proactive about it. Um, and thankfully, like started building, especially when TikTok came out, I started posting there and um, it it all sort of evolved to be not just super niche down to gluten-free beer. Uh, it, it, it turned into like more relatable food-based stuff, which I think resonates with me more. I mean, I like beer, but I'm not like a huge beer guy. 
Yeah. No, I feel like that's why I started following you. It's just, it's so relatable. Like all like the challenges that we face or just like the questions people ask us or just even like the products that you advertise through like your Instagram, like it just is so relatable. And I just love consuming that type of content. But what have you found to be like the most successful in like reaching a larger audience and really building your platforms? So it's, it's tough. I mean, like, it, it took me like four years to get to this point, I've like which is crazy because I, I like listen to like content creator podcasts and stuff and they're like, the average life of a content creator is like three years, four years before they like hit it or whatever. And I'm like, it, 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 it does take a long time to like, I guess, build any sort of following. But what I was doing is I was literally like using like Gary V's method. I would like comment, I would literally search gluten-free on Instagram. I would comment on everyone's post and follow everyone. And I follow like 5,000 people because of what I was doing. Like I following every beer account, every gluten-free account, like commenting, um, trying to like be very proactive about building a sort of community and not feel, you know, I guess alone in all this, because again, I didn't know anyone who was gluten-free or who to follow or whatever. Like, um, so that was a bit of like a lot of, I guess, grunt work, like to try to, uh, you know, build a following there. But I think in terms of like content, I really definitely found uh, success once I started making like skits, um, you know, trying to be funny. Like I, 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 I was doing the beer reviews, but they were like six minute long Instagram videos. Like who's watching that in 2019? Um, like they were, they were horizontal too. So it was like that small. Uh, but you know, thankfully TikTok came out and forced me to learn how to do short form. And I was doing skits and making raps and doing all that. And I think just kind of being myself, uh, in this, I guess, niche, um, has helped because a lot of what was on Instagram that at that point was like delicious recipes, um, you know, perfect curated gluten-free cookies or whatever, or it could be the opposite, like all, all, all the struggles of gluten-free. But I, I feel like there wasn't a ton of people talking about like the humor side of it, um, in video form. So I think that that like was the differentiator was to have a comedic spin on it, um, and do it in short form because, our attention spans are tiny, apparently. No, exactly. I feel like, yeah, you were able to find a niche that like no one had really tapped into yet. Um, so do you do it like full time or do you also have like another job on, like as well? I started doing it full time uh, last January. I, I left my sales job uh, and I just kind of told myself I would do it for a few months um, and look for a marketing job uh, somewhere because I wanted to just get out of sales. But um it's been month to month ever since. I don't know. So next month I can have a job. I don't really know. So I, I, I take it month to month, but yeah, it's what I do full time now. Yeah. So like, what would a typical day look like as like a, just a content creator then? I, I'm so, I mean, it's, it's a lot. Uh, it, it's, I say it's a lot and sometimes I feel overwhelmed and I feel like, so like whiny talking like that because I, it's such a cool job and such a thing I've always wanted to do. But, um, you know, I, I, I try to conceptualize videos every day. I film them. I edit them. I now have been getting into YouTube. So I, the long form editing and filming takes a lot longer. Um, I do that. I uh, a comment and, and DM. Like that takes up so much of my days, like just talking to people. And I think that's another thing that's huge. It's like I really do talk to everyone. Like if you DM me a few times, I'll probably see it and I'll probably respond and we'll talk. Like I, I, I I love talking to people because it's that relatability thing. And like, I, 
again, don't really have that many people in my real life who have to eat gluten-free. So talking to you guys and talking to like anyone who's gluten-free online or going through EOE, like I love to talk about it. Sometimes I'm not like in the mood to talk about like, uh, you know, the, I guess like the, the, the down parts of EOE, but I'll just try to get myself. I, I'll like, I, like, even when those times I'm not in that mood, I have to like, I, I try to push past that because I really always needed someone to talk to. And I would have really been able to, like awesome to have someone to talk to that had EOE. So I always try to like do that. And that takes up a lot of my day. I'm always on my phone because of it. Um, but in addition to that, it's like the merch is like actually a lot of work. I have to like make merch. I have to build my site. I have to, I used to pack and ship everything. So like right now that's a big part of what I'm doing. Um, and then like outreach and, and talking to brands and figuring out like brand deals. Um, so it's a lot. It's it's a, a a bunch of stuff, and every day is different for me. And I wish it wasn't because some days I feel like I didn't get anything done, even though I probably got a lot done. But you know, I I'm someone who I think needs a to do list, but I never do. I just wake up and you know do whatever. Yeah, no, I feel like content creation people don't understand how much like goes into everything, and I, like I'm only doing like the I've I've like a full time job as well, but like I'm doing the podcast, and it is so much work, and I have not even tapped into at all like really the social con- like like content creation as much as like I definitely need to in order to like reach a larger audience, but it is so much work. It's and it's also hard because like you said, you feel like you didn't do anything all at all the day, but you probably did so much. But it's hard to measure that sometimes. And working so independently, you have to keep yourself like pretty accountable. I'm sure. Yeah, I like like you could probably spend an hour like trimming and editing a, a podcast, and then you're like, where did that hour go? But like you were working, but it doesn't feel like work. And and so it, yeah, it's it's um it's a lot of work that goes in the back end, and I can nerd out about it so much because I I I don't really get to talk about it a lot, and I think it's pretty interesting. But um yeah, it's it's definitely a lot of work. Even editing a TikTok video and putting titles and stuff takes you know thirty minutes 45 minutes to do after filming for 30 45 minutes so um i'll film tiktoks for like i did yesterday for like two hours three hours i filmed three tiktoks but i was editing them and doing all of it but i looked up i'm like it's 12 o'clock or what's going on (laughs) like why is it already 12 um so yeah it's it's just a different beast than i'm used to i used to work in sales and and focus on talking to customers in my inbox it's totally different than that so feeling productive is tough. Uh, it's it's just a different beast. Totally. Um, also, you mentioned merch. I actually my so my boyfriend. I've been following you for like I don't know how long, but I think when you first released your first merch, my boyfriend got me something for Christmas, like one of your shirts. Oh, um, it was awesome. the make make gluten free bread bigger or one of those because yep. I mean I'm like used to buying the Trader Joe's bread that is so small and like I just it's so funny like that's such a yeah. relatable gluten-free problem people have so i do have one of your shirts yeah oh that's awesome i uh the trader joe's one's probably the one that inspired it all that thing is comically small like it it is minuscule although they do have a bigger one but that their bread it's good too it tastes good and i don't mind it and sometimes i feel like oh i can make a little avocado toast just like a small little breakfast but in reality like if i'm trying to make a sandwich like that's not cutting it for me (laughs) No, exactly. Well, that's why I I buy it because it tastes good, but it's so small and I go through a loaf so fast. Um, yeah. So yeah, it is tiny. I found like other, I mean, there's other brands that are just a little bit bigger, but it is funny how it is so small. But um, also like, so what is your favorite part of being a content creator? Like what like things that you do on a day to day, like you actually enjoy and what might you like don't enjoy as much? 
so th the the day to day, I um, I guess I I like the freedom. Like I I, I feel so pretentious in saying like I'm a, like an entrepreneur, but I guess in a way I need to give myself credit for for that because it is like a lot of it's a lot of work. Um, but at the same time, I feel so, like such a fraud saying that because it's such a like I'm so fortunate to be in this position. Um, so I. I really like, I, I always wanted to make a clothing brand like growing up. Like I didn't all, I guess I didn't always want to do it, but I always wanted to like, I just thought it would be cool too. And I like even like sketched out me like business plans for them in the past. So it's cool that like this has got me to like that point where I, I made merch. Um, and the way I do it is like really through feedback from the audience. Like every single time I do merch, every time I have an idea, I put up an Instagram poll and essentially saying like, do you like this? Do you not like rate it? And I make my decisions off of that. Um, and so like everything I'm doing is, 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 is like a reflection of what I'm hearing and, and, and what I think like the gluten-free people as a whole, like want and want to rep. So that's been really cool. Um, and, and so different than what I expected, like running a, you know, a, a clothing company would be because typically they just make something and hope that people like it. But like, I'm making stuff that everyone's said that either liked or didn't like. Um, so that's really cool and rewarding to see that feedback. But I, I, I just love making videos. I, I, I really do. I feel um, like it's fun for me. It's definitely when I'm having the most fun is like goofing around, being on camera. I'm, I'm really starting to um, try to like collab with people more. Um, it's not something that I didn't want to do in the past. It's just something that I, I always felt like I could get, you know, just get it done in my house or get it done, you know, easier if it's just me rather than scheduling. But I think that I get the biggest con of like being a full-time content creator is that I am literally here every day. Like it's crazy. Like I, I just, I never leave my house. Like I'm always making, you know, always by myself or with my girlfriend or with my dog. Like I'm not really, you know, communicating with other people like I was in my previous job. So it's kind of like, lonely in that sense in terms of a work thing like the wins i can celebrate with my girlfriend sure but um it's not like a win with like a company where like the team celebrating or something like that so i've really wanted to sort of collaborate a little bit more uh in in, in make that a priority so i've like been reaching out to some people um i've been making like longer form youtube videos with my family and stuff and that's been really fun so um it's something that i've really like trying to trying to push past is like I, i'm actually pretty introverted in terms of like, I get nervous, like to, to do some social things, but I think I'm trying to push back past that and push back on that feeling because I always do feel so rewarded if like, you know, I do something like this or I, I, I work with someone or I make a video with my mom. Like, it's just really fun and different. Um, and the audience likes that because I think they're tired of just looking at my face all the time. I think it's nice to see someone new. Yeah, no, I mean, I can so relate to just like working. I mean, you work so remotely. I like don't do content creation like full remotely, but I have a full-time job that is fully remote and it is, it gets really lonely and like you don't really see anyone until the end of the day, maybe when you see your girlfriend or like you make a plan with like a friend and it can get like very lonely. And I feel like sometimes being so like, like you don't see people for the entire day by the end of the day you almost like don't want to see anyone even though you need that and so sometimes I'll make plans like after work and I'll like it'll be like end of day and I'm like oh, I don't really want to go interact with someone and like every time I go I'm so happy that I like saw someone because I'm like this is what brings me joy and happiness but sometimes getting myself there after being so 
like secluded by myself all day is just like hard. I don't know. Maybe it's just like after COVID, it kind of messed us up a little bit. I think you nailed it. I think it's like COVID. I feel like we've all become kind of more like safe and warm in our own houses. But like to what you said, I think we all have that craving for like the the uh, like in real life experiences, like going to concerts, going to games, going to a restaurant and meeting up with friends. And I know that we have this unique kind of difficulty with going to restaurants. So that actually adds more social anxiety, but um, you know, it's just these things that I think we, it, I think I'm getting that craving too, is I guess what I'm saying, like, like uh, to, to get out and do more stuff. Um, and, and that's actually another thing I want to do this year is like, ho- hopefully like host some like events, like go to like a, a, a certified gluten-free restaurant and have like a meetup. Um, it's something that I've been kind of knocking around, but again, it gives me like a little bit of anxiety. So I like, I haven't really pursued it as much as I should, but um, I think it'd be super fun and so cool. Um, even if like five people showed up. So I, no, I feel like that's a great you're, idea. You're invited if uh, you're, of course you're invited. <laughs> I'll come down from New York for it. Um, no, but yeah, and I feel like that's such a good idea. And if you just bring a friend or your girlfriend, just having someone buy you to like, do it yeah. I feel like would make it a lot easier but I feel like people would yeah. love that I have seen like other food bloggers and other influencers do that and I feel like so many people show up more than you think that would probably actually come um but I know you mentioned eating out can be like hard what have you found like when you go out to eat like what seems to be the options like what are you looking for in the menu like what are just some of the difficulties of eating out um so I I live in the Boston area and I feel like I'm like so fortunate for that too, because it's pretty good here. Um, at least like I know where I can eat and find me gluten-free has more than like two options. Uh, cause sometimes when I go anywhere else, it, it, you know, I might not have more than that. Um, so I feel like Boston's pretty good, but if I'm going to a place that I don't know has gluten-free options, I typically go, you know, I focus on like steak or like a chicken on a salad or something like that and emphasize no croutons like six times but like the way i order i i usually say like hi um i have a few allergies i am gluten-free i'm dairy-free uh, well i'm allergic to gluten i'm d- allergic to dairy and i'm also allergic to shellfish which is another fun little quirk i got another allergy fyi <laughs> and also almonds actually make my throat swell up a little bit too so it's like i have to tell like them that and then i say like what is the easiest thing on the menu to accommodate that because i don't like i just don't want to be like i'm that person i don't want to be a bother um so and i think a lot of gluten-free people are that way and we don't like almost we almost get a bad rap because we have to say we're gluten-free all the time that people think we're like so proud like we want to be like oh i'm better than you i'm gluten-free it's more like i have to say it so i don't get sick but um yeah so i say that i'm like whatever's easiest to Make those like, like, could you just let me know what is the easiest things on the menu to make gluten free? And a lot of times around here, they'll actually come back and like mark up the menu or just be like, oh, yeah, the salad looks okay. This looks okay. The chef said this. Um, if they don't do that, I'll just like focus on, like I said, like the sort of things with the least amount of ingredients. Um, and I'll still say, obviously, the allergies. So hopefully they can make any substitutions. But I've been stuck with, you know, so many like, uh, burgers with a baked like a baked potato next to it and like olive oil because i can't have butter so it's just like this baked potato like a burger with nothing on it and then like no bun and then like a little cup of olive oil i've done that so many times it went in need but um for me it's more about like 
being with like what we said, being with friends and family. So if I have to make the sacrifice to do that, to hang out, I'll just have like a, you know, a couple more seltzers or ciders to make up for the difference. No, exactly. I feel like, yeah, I feel like when I go out to eat, I feel like I'm almost apologizing for being gluten-free when it's like, I would never choose to be eating what I'm about to probably eat. Um, but I know sometimes when I go out to eat, I sometimes like almost have to accept that I'll probably also have cross-contamination. I feel like if I'm getting like a pizza, like it's obviously going to like go through the same pizza oven, like things like that, which kind of suck too. But sometimes I'm just like, you know what, whatever, I'm not doing this every day. So um, but I also didn't really, I thought you lived in DC, not Boston. So I was actually up in Boston recently and I found that Boston had a lot of good options actually. Yeah. Did you go anywhere, uh, in specific that you liked? Okay. Well, one, I place, I forget the name. It was a breakfast spot in like, I forget the area, but it had like a lot of gluten-free, like waffles, pancakes, bread. That was really good. I don't remember the area. So that doesn't narrow down. Was it called the Friendly Toast? Yes, that's what it, that was wow. what it was called. Like it was I, something like toast or waffle or something yeah. in the name. Yeah, yeah. That, I actually want to go there. Like I've never been there. I want to go there. It's been on my mind. Like I'm literally actually thinking of making a, a YouTube video tomorrow, like a day eating in Boston. I was going to go to the Friendly Toast tomorrow, like first thing. You totally, it was really good. I highly recommend that. And then also, well, we stayed in Southie. So I know this is probably not going to be a spot that's a good gluten-free, but we went to Kappa one night and had dinner and like went out there. Yeah. They had no, that's... such glu- good gluten-free pasta. Yeah. It yeah, was no. like in the shape of it was fun. It wasn't just like penne. It was like a good pasta. They have a whole gluten-free night oh. on Tuesdays and they like, uh, wash down everything every Tuesday like then they make the pasta like they like it's all like homemade like they really take it seriously there so it is actually you stumbled upon a great spot and it's actually a really fun spot to go to so it's uh it's it's a it's it's great there I like it that's really cool they wash everything down too I know I remember I left me and my boyfriend left Boston I was like I want to go back there for my birthday I was like it was a fun bar and then the food was amazing so um yeah my brother goes to school up there so i think we'll probably be back soon but it, it is a cool got it city. yeah if you come let me know I'll, I'll hopefully give you more hot boston gluten-free wrecks yeah <laughs> and, and like the ones that other people will eat at and enjoy their food too because uh, i know I'll, like sometimes you know there's gluten-free restaurants or whatever and sometimes your friends might not want to go there but places like capo like where it's like almost inconspicuously really good for gluten-free are like those kind of hidden gems yeah. So when you go out to eat like with your girlfriend and stuff, does she eat gluten free or do you eat like does she just get yeah. whatever she wants? She's awesome. She um has no I mean she's probably lactose intolerant. I don't know if she's gonna kill me. You might have got that. No, I'm just kidding. But she's probably lactose intolerant, but um she's not gluten free and she like doesn't have to be gluten free, but she eats entirely gluten free, entirely dairy free. She hasn't had a shellfish and a mollusk or any, you know, crab or anything like that in four years. So um she's great obviously like when she's like with her friends and family and i'm not uh, out to dinner with them uh, like she'll get something and i always even tell her if she's out to eat with me like get the pizza if it looks really good um but usually she doesn't want to because she wants to like share her food with me so um it's it's been awesome having someone who like really cares about the whole situation um and that has like become my you know biggest fan and 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 i guess i should say supporter um and like everything she she makes dinner that's delicious and she's made all of her stuff like you know that she used to make she make can make it gluten-free now and it's been fun like learning like how to 
relearning how to make things. Not that I was ever a good cook or baker, but like, like even though the simple things that I knew how to make to like kind of make that in a gluten and dairy free way and kind of experiment has been fun and to do it with her has been fun too. So yeah, it's been having a partner like to, to do that with you has been just awesome. I can't, I couldn't ask for something better. Yeah. I know that's how my boyfriend is as well. Like when we first started dating, he got the find me gluten-free app, which I thought was adorable because I, yeah, didn't, even, awesome. I didn't even have it for, for myself, to be honest at the time. Um, but yeah, we always split things and he, I feel like he's a really good sport about it. Um, Cause and nowadays I feel like the options are just almost, almost as good as like regular. Um, yeah. I mean, most of them, like, uh, like yeah. if we're going to a bakery or something, I'm like, get something please. Cause I like need to live like, like I'm someone like I want to live vicariously through someone else. So like enjoy this croissant and I'll watch. Yeah. Like literally when I was a kid, I used to be like, no, my parents would be like, oh, it doesn't taste good. I'm like, no, please tell me it tastes good. So at least you're <laughs> enjoying it. Or like, yeah, I feel, I completely get that. I'm like, at least you can enjoy it. I'll just, I'm so used to not being able to eat it. So it's okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what are like some of your favorite like gluten-free products, like maybe like bread brands or pasta or just like, I feel like I could talk hours on this, but just any like favorites yeah. that you could call out? I'd say my favorite bread, and I haven't been like shy about saying this is Canyon uh, heritage style, Canyon Bakehouse heritage style bread. Um, just because I, I, I really like the taste um, and it's a good size uh, and it's, you know, not minuscule. So I'm a big fan of that. But outside of that, I actually really do like um, Char deli style bread, like their sourdough. It's kind of bigger. Really any bread that has the, you know, the gall to make a big bread, I, I absolutely respect. Um, I like Three Bakers, which is actually a smaller bread. But um, those are kind of the ones I get. And then Trader Joe's when I go there. But um, for pasta, I love Jovial. It's, a, it's, it's obviously a little bit more on the expensive side. So... I mean, we get everything. I don't really have like a, a total extreme preference with pasta. Like we get Barilla, we get, um, whatchamacallit, uh, what's that brand? Ronzoni, gluten-free. Like we'll, like we'll get the, you know, any brand that just is certified gluten-free or whatever. Um, but Jovial is definitely like our favorite um, because it has so many options. It has like spaghetti and, you know, pen. obviously it's got penne because that's like the gluten-free pasta type. Yeah. But yeah, I guess those would be a couple of my favorite. And then um, outside of that, uh, like just snacks, I I love gluten-free Oreos. That's my, my, that's my whole, uh, you know, I think personality now. If my whole personality isn't just being gluten-free, it's loving gluten-free Oreos as my second personality. Um, and then, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I like anything from... Um, Enjoy Life, Made Good, like those kind of brands. I, I, I stick with a lot of their products, um, Go Macro. But yeah, I could go on for hours too. With you. Just listen. The whole podcast is just me being like, uh, yeah, so I like uh, these tortilla chips. <laughs> I know, I could literally talk about it forever. But I mean, I feel like pasta for me, it was just like finding a brand that like didn't, because when I first like started eating gluten-free pasta, a lot of rice pastas like turn to mush when you're making it. So it's like anything that can hold its shape, like, I eat a lot of bonza, but I feel like I've heard Jovial is good. And also when I had first found out when gluten-free bread first came out, I was like, I think in seventh grade or something. And I remember eating it at lunch and it just crumbled. Like it all fell apart. And like my friend still tells that story because she's like, Allie, I can't have, like, I, you were just eating this bread that would not stay together. But um, no, I 
A canyon is probably. That's so funny. It's like you're like. Would you like when gluten free bread just came out? Like when gluten free bread dropped, like yo, that was sick. <laughs> well, because when I was in elementary school, my lunches would be so simple. It'd be like a turkey and cheese roll up, the only gluten free pretzels that were out, and then like carrots. Like that was what I ate every single day. I mean, like it, it's fine. Like I mean, I, I'm like now. Like, now I appreciate everything. Like when you actually posted yesterday, and I thought it was hilarious because. I, whenever I enter any place, whether something certified gluten-free, I want to buy it. I literally do like Whole Foods. I like have a ball in there or like Trader Joe's, I'll find something new. And I'm just like, I just have to buy it. Cause I've never tried it before. And that's something that I've just seems different. So I always buy it like, and everything is so expensive, but it's just like, whatever. You can't feel bad about it. It's like, it's just the law. If you're gluten-free and it has gluten-free written on it, you're actually legally bound to buy it. So it's not your fault. It's, it's, you just got to open up the wallet. That is what it is. Yeah. That's what it tastes like. No, exactly. There are like a few foods that I feel like that I, there aren't substitutes for. Like, I don't know about you. Well, I know you posted a little bit about goldfish, but I still feel like there's not a goldfish that there's like a substitute for. Yeah, I, I I liked the made good ones, again, just because it's dairy-free too. There's always that little caveat with the dairy-free with me, unfortunately, but uh, that, that's good. And then there's also, um, there's like one called green mustache. It just doesn't have the airiness of a goldfish, unfortunately, but the taste is pretty good. Um, but yeah, I mean, all those staples like goldfish, um, I mean, I'm trying to think, like Cheez-Its, uh, like we can get pretty close, but it's never like quite the real thing. Um, that's why I was so interested in doing like that. I just did a video about gluten free Oreos versus gluten Oreos with my family trying them and seeing if they like taste substantially different. And it was like a 50, 50 final result, which was like really reassuring to me. I was like, Oh, that's good. That like, it at least causes some confusion. It doesn't taste that different. So that like if Oreo did it, I hope that like goldfish can figure it out and cheese. It can figure it out. Ritz can figure it out. Like I am hopeful that we'll get to that point one day um but yeah i i there's definitely a few things that there, there hasn't been a replacement i said croissant earlier i don't think i've ever had a gluten-free croissant that ever actually so i don't know if you you have one well um i'm trying to think well maybe i might have had dairy in it but there's if you ever go to dc there's a bakery called rise because i used to live in dc so i had a gluten-free croissant there but that was my only croissant i've ever eaten was from that bakery yeah. because that's the only place that I had but apparently in new york they have a place that has like almond croissants so that's like on my to-do list to go yeah i i feel like that's always the ant like when someone says so i i do feel like there's like a substitution for most things that are gluten-free but it's just like you have to know where to find them you have to know the brand that might be like a kind of more of an obscure, smaller brand. It, you might need to be like, you know, drive to DC to get a croissant, but, or have it shipped for like $25. But like, I think there are like those substitutions somewhere. So if you're the lucky person that has like that bakery right next to you, like, like, I, like I think a modern bread and bagel, like I think a bagel is like a big one that isn't really like the, the mainstay brands haven't really like nailed it yet. Um, like modern bread and bagel. But you got to live in New York or LA or you got to get shipped, um, which can sometimes cost a lot. So uh, I'm hoping that their formula or something like gets more mainstream, you know, those kind of things. So we can enjoy those and give them to people who can eat gluten. And we're like, hey, actually, gluten free doesn't have to suck. Here's the proof. 
Yeah, Modern Pride and Bagel is awesome. They have like so many good things. And I don't know if you went to New York recently, but there's a place called Kesty. And um, if so, if you ever come back, you should definitely go there. They have like the best gluten-free pizza. And then they have calzones, which I think is like something you can never find. And it tastes like the entire restaurant can be made gluten-free. And they have calzones, they have pizza. And then me and my boyfriend got this dessert that's like, Pizza dough filled Nutella with, well, okay, you can't eat ice cream, but with ice cream on top. But yeah. like, and I guess you can't eat Nutella. I'm, so sorry. <laughs> I'm just like slouching. Like, I'm not even on the screen anymore. <laughs> they definitely have like gluten free. I know that's like another thing. That's just another allergy to be aware of. And I know nowadays, like products, they do pay attention. I feel like making it also dairy free just because I feel like why not get them all out of the way? But still, when you go out to eat, that must be pretty hard to find both. It's honestly annoying too for like my whole account. Like I wish I could promote things that had dairy in them more, but it wouldn't be, be authentic to me. But yeah, like I heard when I was going to New York, I got like a whole list of places I was recommended and we literally ate every meal like out. So we went to like six places, but we that's all we could hit in like, you know, two and a half days. But Keste was, was one of them. Um, and I got like so many recommendations about their pizza. But we, we went to Ruby Rosa instead, which was really, really good. But I need to go back. I mean, I'm in Boston. I'm not too far away. And I have a ton of friends who live in New York. So there's really no excuse for us to not do another weekend trip and go to Kesty and Martinburg again. No, I know. Definitely let me know because I look, I feel like just living here, I'm like trying to keep track of all the gluten-free places. So I can definitely send you Rex if you ever come down. Because I found this new, okay, the last one I'm going to mention is like this wrap place in East Village and they make homemade gluten-free wraps. So you pretty much can get a burrito. So yeah. I, yeah. I know it was life-changing. So. I'm still like thinking about the word calzone just like <laughs> shot me back to like 2017 ordering from like a local you know, uh, pizza shop and just ha housing a buffalo chicken calzone. I haven't had one of those in so long. Yeah, I know. Well, so I'm also about to go to Italy, which you would think is like crazy, like not going to be gluten free. But actually, weirdly enough, Italy has a lot of celiacs. So they actually have a lot of good. I studied abroad there. So we're going to I'm going to go back pretty soon. And I'm excited for that. Where, where in Italy are you going? We're going to go to Florence. And then we are going to go up to Prague, which I don't think we'll have as many gluten-free options in Prague, but gluten-free in Florence it should be pretty good. Yeah, I'm so jealous. I, like me and my girlfriend talk about Italy like all the time um, because yeah, it, like I didn't realize that it was so good for gluten-free either. But I think I just saw something like every person gets tested at like age six or something like before age six to see if they have celiac. Like they really got it figured out in Italy. Um, so that's like a place that I'm Italian, a very Italian like. Uh, genetically so i'm like very that was always my bucket list to go to italy and then it was essentially like stomped on when i went gluten-free but now the foot has been raised and i'm back you know now that i figured out that it's good for gluten-free i like i need to get there so you gotta let me know all your recs and stuff and make like a travel list or something so i can do the same exact thing when i go yeah, Italians are doing it right. Um, but okay, the last two questions I always like to end with is the first being what is something you do every day that brings you joy? Um, I honestly like, it's it, it's a tough question, because like, I have like hobbies. I have hobbies. <laughs> but I, I do feel like, like now my hobby is my job. So it's my jobby. Uh, no, I've never said that out loud, and never actually thought that word. And I just was I hated that. But anyway, I uh, yeah, so I like I used to my release from like work used to be like, 
talking to people on Instagram and posting on Instagram, but now it's my job. So I feel like I do it 24 seven. So it is tough for me to like have a separation from it uh, because it feels like such a hobby, but I'd say like, I'm really trying to like read more and like get my eyes off of a screen um, because I do enjoy everything I do for like work, but like I'm always looking at something, whether it's a phone screen or a computer screen or, and I got these like cheap glasses that don't even really help. I don't think, but um, so I'm trying to read more a- a- as a hobby. I work out. Um, now that it's nice out, I take my dog on longer walks, um, hang out with Serena, my girlfriend. But yeah, I, I, I they feel like I need like a good solid hobby to get into. I was actually thinking about like getting into running all of a sudden. I need like something to like, just not, I just need to not look at a screen so much. And so that... Uh, anyone who's listening to this podcast, I'm open to any and all hobby recommendations. Um, I, I, I tried running, but I realized I haven't ran a mile in, in like three years and I was exhausted after I did it. So I don't know if running is the, is, is, is the one, but yeah, I, I, I'd say just like living life with my girlfriend, my dog. And, and like we were saying earlier, like whenever I go out with my friends, I just went golf with my buddies and we had a blast, like, um, hung out with my family a couple weekends ago and, and actually yesterday met with my mom and dad. I like those things are so easy to, to say, you know, to, to, to put off or say no to or whatever it is. But like when you actually do those things and see your parents, your grandparents, your friends, like, and, and say yes to more of that stuff, I, I feel like I leave like feeling way better. So um, I guess I need to focus more on that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, exactly. I feel like I've been also trying to like find different hobbies that like also don't just involve like, because I feel like New York and probably Boston too, it's a lot of eating and drinking. So just like finding hobbies that like are a little bit more wholesome, like me and my friend did like, well, me and my friends actually started a book club that I'm very proud of. So we're doing I love that. that. Yeah. But then also like we even did like a pottery class the other day or like painting and just like other things like that, like where it's like, like you said, like getting off a screen, but it's still being social and you're seeing people. Yeah. Yeah. We in Serenity, we, we painted Howie, our dog at one of those like, uh, you know, paint night things where like you you know, have a couple drinks and you paint and you trace the picture and they actually came out super good and we're like we've got to do that again like it was it was really uh it was really fun and i haven't painted or drawn in so long i used to you know do it all the time so it's like almost like you need like as an adult you need to like find those things that like brought you joy as a kid and just do them again like it, and it's fun no, I completely agree. I know there's a paint and pour right by my apartment and I'll walk by and like everyone's will look so good. And I'm like, how are they doing that? So I don't know. They must teach you really well. But um, the last question is, what is your favorite quote or piece of advice? Um, I don't have a specific quote uh, unless I could just pull like a song lyric out of my butt. But no, I, I, I mean, I feel like the piece of advice is probably just, I, I think what my mom probably is instilled because she's such a kind person. It's just to be kind, be nice to people. Um, because you don't really know what someone's going through, even if they're in a bad mood or being mean. Like it's, you know, with with us, with with what we go through, like we've had down days, you know, days that we feel like shit and, you know, might not have been the best version of ourselves. So like just kind of forgiving people and being nice and trying to put yourself in their shoes, like I think it's important um to just be, a, I guess, a compassionate and empathetic person overall. Yeah, no, I like that. My mom says like the same exact thing. So moms are very smart. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you want to let everyone know where they can find you before I let you go. Yeah, uh, it's Phil Hates Gluten on Instagram, TikTok, uh, 
YouTube now I've got the hot, hot YouTube videos, long form. Um, they're different than what I post on Instagram and TikTok. Um, and I also post everything on Facebook if you guys are on Facebook. So I think that's it. And then, oh, uh, I do have a merch drop coming out soon. Speaking of merch that we talked about like 45 minutes ago, but, uh, yeah, I have merch coming out hopefully in a few weeks. I just like waiting on the samples. Um, and hopefully can get some merch for the summer, some new designs. Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much.